How's it going, everybody? Ryan Corelli here from the Break the Business podcast. I know that this isn't the usual way that I start a show. There's no theme music this time. It's just me talking to you. And we're doing things a little differently right now because I have an announcement to make. And I want to preface everything I'm about to tell you with the following. I love doing this show. It is my favorite thing to do each week. I love talking with you guys. I love sharing information. I love the community that we have built together. I love uh, just imparting advice and learning as much from you as you do, hopefully, for me. I love bringing some of the smartest, brightest names in the music industry on this show to share information with you so that you can learn more, so that you can get empowered, because honestly, to me, you guys are everything. I do everything I do because I want you guys to win. I love indie artists, and I want to empower you any way I can. And so for me, doing this show means everything to me because it allows me to do just that. And in that regard, only one thing in this world would ever make me stop doing this podcast. And that's if I discovered something else that I could be doing with my time that could be helping you guys even more than what I'm doing now. And that's kind of where I'm getting right now. Um, I've started working on a project recently that is probably one of the biggest things I've ever done in my life, and I'm very excited about it. And if it succeeds, if it achieves the potential that I hope it will, I anticipate that it will be game-changing in terms of how it can help indie musicians. And so I'm doing this thing that I think could be huge for you guys. And so I've reached the point where I've now found something that I think can be even more valuable to you guys, this group of people that I very much care about. And unfortunately, this thing takes up a lot of my time that I'm doing. And so some things in my life are going to have to go by the wayside and unfortunately breaks my heart. One of those things is for a little while, I'm going to have to scale back on my work on this podcast because I'm trying to achieve something greater for you all. And there are some questions I know you guys probably have as I announce this, and so I'm going to try to answer them as best I can, but keep in mind that, you know, at this point where I am now, I can't really answer a lot of that. So for, for instance, I imagine a lot of you are probably wondering, what is this project you're working on? That's going to help indie artists. And unfortunately, I can't say much about it yet. Everything is very hush-hush. It's very developmental right now. But I can at least tell you that what it is, if it achieves what I think it can, if it reaches the full potential of what I think it can, it could be the thing that I'm looking for that can level the playing field truly for indie artists like you. That it can be the kind of an ultimate tool for you guys to move your careers forward. And it, it really inspires a lot of passion in me. And it excites me to be able to work on something like this. But I can't go into the details much yet. But as soon as I can tell you guys something about it, you, you best believe I will. Another question you're probably wondering about. Well, how long will I be working on it? Unfortunately, I don't know the answer to that yet either. If it works, if it reaches its full potential then possibly for a long time, months, years, 
long time. And I mean, that doesn't mean that if it does work, I'm never going to podcast again. Um, that, you know, if, if this thing that I'm going to work on, I continue to work on, I might still be able to podcast again. I always think that podcasting and helping indie artists through podcasting is something I'm always going to do. But for these, for the foreseeable future, I anticipate that the thing I'm going to work on is going to be taking up so much of my time that I can't do much in the way of podcasting for the foreseeable future. Another question you're probably going to be wondering is what's going to happen to the podcast in the meantime? Is it going to go dark? Am I going to stop making episodes? And I think the compromise that I've come up with in all of this is what I'm going to be doing with the podcast is I don't want it to go dark. I want there to keep being episodes, but what you're going to be hearing for the next few weeks is um, interviews with past guests we've had on the show. A lot of you folks that are listening to this podcast are new listeners. We've been getting a lot of new listeners especially in the last few weeks, people who've just discovered the podcast. And so for a lot of you new listeners, if this podcast were to start playing old interviews, they'd still be new to you. And for my old listeners, the ones who've been with the podcast since the beginning, first of all, thank you for that, by the way. Thank you for staying with us. But for the old listeners, I don't think it would hurt for all of us to go back and listen to some of those old interviews, to refresh some of our knowledge, to reflect on some of the great guests we've had on this show. And so that's what we're going to be doing for the foreseeable future as I work on this project I'm going to be working on, is I'm going to play back some of the old interviews, package them together in single episodes so that you get just some great insight from a lot of former guests we've had on this show. And once I have some updates about this project, I'm going to let you know. I'm going to keep you posted. Follow me on Twitter, at Ryan, K-A-I-R, I'm going to tell you everything I can, but if I don't see this through, not only will I regret it, but I feel like I could miss out on creating something or helping to create something that's going to be valuable for a lot of you guys. And look, the whole thing could blow up in my face. You know, I'm going to take a shot at it, but maybe this project doesn't go anywhere and I come back to you guys in a few weeks and we keep doing the podcasting thing and that's just fine. But this seems like too exciting of a project and too potentially valuable for all of you for me not to see this through. So I hope you can bear with me while I work on this. And, you know, let's still keep in touch. Keep talking to me on Twitter. Keep letting me know what's going on in your careers. I don't want to just disappear forever and ever. I want to keep in touch with you guys because you do mean very, very much to me. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoy some of these old interviews we've done. I really enjoyed talking to some of these people. I've gone through the trouble of sort of picking out some of my favorites that we've done in the 129 episodes of this podcast. I've picked the ones that I think are the most informative, that are the most evergreen in terms of the value of their content. I'm not going to pick interviews that are sort of dependent on a certain point in time. These are going to be more timeless in their value to you. And I think you're going to enjoy these folks a lot. So the interviews we I've picked for this week's episode are Suzanne Paulinski, the rock star advocate. She's going to talk to you guys about self-care and time management. And then after her interview, we're going to play Bruce Warzniak, great podcaster, great music industry mentor. He's going to talk to you guys about how you can get more bookings for your show. So really valuable content that's going to help you guys move your careers forward, and I'm happy to bring it to you. And again, thank you all for sticking with this podcast, for being such loyal listeners. And I only hope that in the work I'm going to be doing for the next few weeks that I can really deliver something that's going to be valuable for you guys and is going to help you guys out a lot. 
All right, here we go. Rockstar advocate Suzanne Polinski coming up on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business Podcast. She is a music industry consultant and author who writes and speaks on the subjects of self-care, time management, branding, touring, and more. You can find out more about her services and her many artist development resources by visiting www.therockstaradvocate.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Suzanne Polinski, the rock star advocate, is here on the Break the Business Podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. This is great. I'm excited to have you on, but first things first, what do I call you? Is it Suzanne, <laughs> the rock star advocate, Ms. Advocate? Where are we going with this? <laughs> Most people just call me Suze. Suze. I like that. Oh, it's, it sounds like sort of a my friends call me Suze sort of thing. Can I? Exactly. I love it. All right. I'm going to just kind of be your friend then. I'm going to just, <laughs> I'm just going to go right with the Suze. I like it. Um, For the folks who don't know a lot about you, you're a music industry consultant, and frankly, you must be a pretty dang good one because I've had multiple listeners request or perhaps demand that I have you on the show to interview you. So uh, (laughs) there we go. Um, But you you do a lot of work with artists at all career levels. You help them get organized. You help them get their focus in the right place. You get their careers moving forward. But with you, I want to start at the beginning. Because your journey to your current stage in life seems like a pretty interesting one. You've worked for labels. You have a psychology master's degree. Can can you walk us through some of the big highlights in your career journey that got you to where you are today as the rock star advocate? Oh, goodness. So, yes, I've had many different jobs, um, all while still, you know, keeping my foot in the music industry. Um, So I started off at uh, Drexel University. I got my undergrad in music business. We were the first graduating class for that particular uh, major. So we got to shape a lot of uh, what that looked like, and that was a lot of fun. Um, We also started Mad Dragon Records, a record label under Drexel that still runs today. And yes, I started off with the major labels, but then I left to go be a paralegal um, at a law firm because I thought I wanted to pursue copyright law. And um, I did that for about five years, and it was it wasn't even in music. It was actually um, uh, ma- mainly trip and fall uh, situations. But I learned a lot about writing contracts and a lot about um, what to do and not do when when getting involved in contracts. So that was a really great education. And I had a side business at the time. I was um, a consultant where I wrote bios and EPKs and did social media marketing plans and all of that stuff. But I hated it. I didn't really enjoy it. And so whenever I come to a standstill, I always look towards education. I always feel like you don't know what you don't know until you know it. So I went back to school and got my master's in psychology because that really interests me. I have to know what motivates people to do the things that they do. And um, once I was there, I realized I started putting the pieces together and found that 
this is how I could help artists that I learned a lot about self care. Um, and I learned a lot about, um, again, what in marketing kind of a deeper level of psychology of what gets people to invest in you and what gets people to really want to support you. And so I thought I could help musicians that way. And, um, about three years ago, I started the Rockstar advocate and it's kind of been awesome since then. <laughs> yeah. I almost feel like you have two master's degrees only because I feel like any career in the music industry gives you a strong background in abnormal psychology. We can, Oh, 100%. <laughs> but, um, I really enjoy the Rockstar Advocate resources. One of the things you write and speak a lot about, like you just discussed, is the subject of time management. We've been talking about it a lot the last few episodes because I think all musicians, regardless of your genre, regardless of kind of how you're approaching success, we all want more hours in the day. And back on episode 99 of our podcast, we spoke with Cheryl B. Engelhart, who's a big fan of yours, by the way. I'm and, a big fan of hers. We're, we're besties in this, oh, this whole industry. Yeah, delightful. she's my girl. Well, there you go. Well, your girl <laughs> spoke a lot about her own thoughts on time management, and she talked about how every Sunday she sets her calendar at the beginning of the week and sets clear goals for how she wants to accomplish each day, which I thought was a really cool kind of tip. And I figure now that I got another time management expert on here, what are some tips that you have for artists and how they can manage their time better? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I love that episode with Cheryl, and she gave some really great tips. Um, I think what I like to do personally is to time block. So while I also do every week, usually on a Sunday or sometimes it's the Friday before, I look at my week and I, I see what do I, I want to accomplish. But what I like at the start of every month is to try to time block so for instance, let's say you've got certain things like Cheryl, for instance, she's a composer, but she's also a consultant and a coach. And, and she also writes her own music and, um, does many different things and get, you know, gives lessons to other people. So, you know, you have all those different blocks of time and within those blocks of time, you want to accomplish different things. So what I'm a big proponent of is monotasking, which is the opposite of multitasking because um, science tells us that multitasking is impossible. Um, and while some moms out there, I'm sure, are able to do it because they're superheroes, um, <laughs> when it really comes down to it, if one of the tasks is not automated and not on autopilot, like, say, making dinner or something like that, um, the other task you're doing is going to suffer. Um, so you can't really, our brains aren't built to put our focuses in more than one thing at a time. So um, with monotasking, the way that this works is let's say I take my Monday and I say, okay, I'm going to have two hours in the, in the early part of the day. And that's going to be for business development. And then I'm going to have three hours in the afternoon and that's going to be for clients and then two hours at night. And that's going to be dedicated to, um, you know, working on this project that I'm trying to, you know, whatever project I'm currently working on. So then each week when I go to put my tasks in, it just becomes a very easy drag and drop where I know, okay, well, what do I need to develop in my business right now? Maybe I'm working on my money mindset. Okay, I'm gonna dedicate the first two hours of that Monday to money mindset. So the task can change, the focus can change, but that's that time that I've given to business development so that I know every week I've got time set aside for that. And what that does is when things start to feel less urgent, right? We walk around with like our shoulders up to our ears and we're all tense all the time. And an email comes in and we drop what we're doing to get to the email. And 
really, we do that because we're afraid that we're going to forget it or that there won't be time for it. And so when you time block, if somebody emails me, if a client emails me and it's Friday and I've already done my client work for that day, they know, okay, I'm going to hit you back on Monday during my client hours. So by building those boundaries, you've lessened the urgency. I know that I don't have to get to it right now because I know that there's time built in on, the, on that next day. Well, in, the, in that vein of building boundaries, because I have, I've, I've read a lot of this same, these same kind of the science and the articles about how people can't multitask. You're absolutely right. But I feel like particularly in the last few years, it's become harder and harder for all of us to not multitask because, right. you know, the temptations to just check your Facebook, check your Twitter, check your email. Like there's so many more distractions than there were for an indie artist even 10 or five years ago. What do you do in your kind of work to just keep yourself focused and to just shut everything else out while you're working on one task? Sure. I mean, I definitely fall victim to it tons of times. I mean, I, I do catch myself going like, wait, wh what did I come on? You know, I'll go on Facebook to get a specific piece of information and then 10 minutes will go by and I'll be like, wait a minute, what did I come on Facebook for? <laughs> um, so, you know, it stinks because a lot of my business is on social media. So, you know, that can get really, and just like many artists out there that can get very, um, tricky. But what I do is what helps with these time blocks is that I also block out time each day to do anything social media related. So if it's not in that time block, I do my best then to shut off my phone or to shut off notifications. Um, I use apps like the forest app, which will like, you can grow a tree until you check one of your social media pages. And then if you check them, the tree dies and you've <laughs> killed the tree and you have to live with the guilt. So, um, <laughs> so I use apps like that to try to help me and remind me that I can't, um, or that I, I shouldn't be checking those pages. Um, so yeah, just working on those daily habits. Um, and I always have my, my task list for the day, like either taped to my computer screen or right next to me on my computer. And I, I have a very, um, like a very specific area where I do my work. So it kind of, when you can fix your environment and fix your schedule around what you're doing, it's easier to stay, you know, focused on the task. And that can get tricky if you're a musician on tour or, you know, working multiple jobs that can definitely get tricky, but there are ways to do it. And, and if you can, can control your environment, um, that can definitely help. Well, you, you hit the nail right on the head. A lot of our listeners, they're not just trying to balance a music career. They're trying to balance a music career and often another day job and perhaps school. And so when you talk about time blocking, those other things sort of have to be accounted for too. And on your website, therockstaradvocate.com, you actually offer a Rockstar Life Planner book that sort of helps musicians manage their time and their schedule. It looks really cool, really well-designed. Can you tell the listeners a bit about what they can expect from that book and how it can sort of allow you to keep all these balls in the air and manage your time? Absolutely. Um, so the Rockstar Life Planner came about about this time last year, and we're actually getting ready to debut our 2000, um, 2018 planner shortly. Um, this book was mainly, I had clients that were asking for me to create templates for them to um, make better spreadsheets for them to organize their time. I was holding accountability sessions for each of them and I would create these templates. And then I realized 
I'm also somebody that likes to write things down. The, the Rockstar Life Planner, there is a digital copy available, um, but I don't really promote that one as much because, again, studies have shown that it sticks in our brain more and our goals have a better chance of being achieved when we actually put pen to paper um, or pencil to paper if it makes people feel better. Um, and so I created an actual book because the planners I use didn't have anything in there for you know, tracking social media, um, seeing, you know, which every week I like to go back and say, okay, how many new followers did I get on Facebook versus Instagram versus Twitter? Um, you know, am I doing something right on one channel that maybe I need to improve on, on another channel? Um, figuring out, you know, networking, who do I want to contact and connect with this week? So I've put in a space for that. And also there's never, especially in the music industry, we never address self care. And so each week in the book, there's a prompt to be like, what am I going to do for self-care this week? And when am I going to schedule it? Um, because it really is important. And, you know, I was the queen of multitasking, the queen of working 15, 16, 17 hour days, um, going on two to three hours of sleep and telling everybody I could do it all. Um, and then I became sick and I got Lyme disease and it was really at that point, I also hired a business coach and. I had to learn how to trust that slowing down got you there faster. And it really, truly does. And so when I created this book, I put in weekly prompts that I use each and every week to slow down, to reevaluate what's working and what's not. And that's how you build a business. You, you, you make decisions, but you constantly reassess them. And so that's what you can expect in the Lifestar and in the uh, Rockstar Life Planner. And I think it's great that you brought up self-care. And really, time management and self-care sort of feed into each other. And often, yes. I, I would say, you know, lapses in taking care of yourself can often be a symptom of poor time management. So it's a nice little transition for us here. Because this is something you write and speak a lot about. And it's something that we care a lot about on this podcast because when you're trying to run an indie music career and possibly also trying to have a second job and, you know, run the rest of your life, it's inevitable that you're going to, you know, run into situations where you're not taking care of yourself as well as you should. In your experience, are you finding that musicians are taking care of themselves well enough? Is this a group that tends to be at higher risk for psychological issues and things like that? Um, I don't think it, that they're higher risk for, um, psychological issues. They're at a much higher risk for self-medicating. Um, where I, when I started the Rockstar Advocate, I started promoting myself as a therapist, right? Cause I had my master's legally. I was allowed to open up shop as a therapist and counsel people. Um, but I wasn't, um, I wasn't getting anybody, even former clients that I had as a consultant. Um, they, were like, oh, thanks, but no, nah, like I'm good. Even though I knew these people very well and I knew they're not good. They're anxious all the time. <laughs> they're stressed out. They're not sleeping. You know, um, people that I knew couldn't get on stage without having a few drinks beforehand. And, um, you know, it's fine to go, re you know, have that release and go enjoy yourself. But when you can't do something without something else to, you know, help you out, that's, that's a red flag. And so I realized people didn't want to hear therapy. So I use the term mindset coach. Um, but it, we are in an industry that number one sleep shames, which is really awful. 
So, you know, I can't count how many networking things I went to from 18 years old to present day where I still hear people say, oh, I got, you know, two hours of sleep. And then somebody says, well, I only got an hour and a half. And they said, well, I got two hours of sleep, but it wasn't solid two hours. So it's basically like no sleep. (laughs) And then they have like a competition about it. And now I try to make a concerted effort. If I hear somebody say, oh, I had two hours of sleep, I say, I'm so sorry. I got eight hours. Like if you'd like any tips, you know, I'll be more than happy to give them to you because we shame people into thinking that if you slept, you want it less. And so everybody in this industry, I feel, burns the midnight oil. Um, you know, instead of talking it out, just maybe grabs a drink or, or grabs whatever they grab to handle the situations. Post-tour depression is a huge thing that when you come off on tour, transitioning back into a life with other people that don't understand the business and don't know what you've just been through and you often have to find a new apartment or find a new job. And it's, um, it's a very transient lifestyle and it can feel very untethered. And so to answer your question, a very long winded, uh, answer is that I, yes, I do feel this industry kind of sets you up to fail in a lot of ways. And without a good support system, it can be very hard to get past that. Well, in terms of getting past that, I want to kind of unpack this this term self-care because mm-hmm. it sounds to me, and again, you're the psychologist here, that it can encompass many different things. You talked about getting enough sleep. You talked about, you know, just making, you know, slowing down your work, not trying to put, you know, put as many hours in the day. You talked about avoiding, you know, substances and you know, not drinking to excess and things like that. What are some other things that we can kind of fit under this self-care umbrella? You know, little things and big things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anything from exercise to spending time with friends and family, people that make us feel good. I mean, a lot of people think self-care is just, oh, naps, you know, like, oh, I have to take a nap today for self-care. But it's reading, you know, it's giving whatever makes you feel good. You know, people get so caught up and they say, well, my music makes me feel good, so I'm just going to dedicate my entire life to it. Right. But if you don't stop to live life, what are you going to write about? So, you know, whatever it is, whether it's, like I said, going out with friends and or planning a dinner that week or doing date night, um, giving yourself time to just watch a movie. Don't Netflix for eight hours at a time, but but watch one movie and and have a good meal. And, um, you know, whatever that is, it's just making time to say that you matter. It really self-care is the oxygen mask principle. So if you've ever been on a plane, it's when they say to you, if the oxygen mask drop down, put one on yourself before you help somebody else. So that to me just helps all excuses go out the window because if you say, well, I have kids, they need me, or I have this career, it needs me, or I have people that depend on me. Okay, great. That's even more of a reason to ensure that every day you're doing something for you because if you deplete your energy, what good are you to other people? It would be great in this industry if we could sort of bring about the mindset amongst everybody that downtime is as much a part of achieving your goals as actually actively achieving your goals, that it's all working toward the same purpose. And if you don't get enough downtime, it's ultimately going to adversely affect your ability to achieve your goals. It would certainly make me feel less guilty about watching Netflix. (laughs) It's like, oh, this is (laughs) self-care. I mean, I think even more so in this industry, it's more important than others because it's such a creative industry that, you know, you it's, it's very depleting. You know, somebody that maybe works with numbers all day long and they crunch the numbers and that's what it is. And 
that's the end of it. Um, but when you're pouring your heart out into your music or you're a manager and you're putting it all out there for the sake of someone else's music, it's very emotionally draining. So, you know, and we do work longer hours than a lot of other people. So to expect that you don't need the same, if not more time for yourself after that is kind of bonkers to me. <laughs> and, and I imagine the additional challenge for musicians is you are also working when everybody else is having a good time. Right. And so like you, you know, most people are like, Oh, you know what I do to relax? I go out on Friday night. Well, it's like, well that's great. I work on Friday night and right. Saturday night, <laughs> but all, all the more reason to, you know, find all your opportunities to self care wherever they are. And I imagine most of the people after listening to you now and just, I mean, I feel soothed listening to you. I, <laughs> and I, I think a lot of people are got to be interested in the consulting services you offer at the rockstaradvocate.com. And I bet there are even some people out there who are curious as to what a consultant does for musicians. Can you talk a little bit about that and maybe talk about, is there a particular career stage that a musician should be at where a consultant would be most valuable for them? Is, is this something that anybody can avail themselves of and have good results, or do you have to be further along in your career? Where, when can a consultant be most effective? Yeah, sure. Um, well, on my website, therockstaradvocate.com, you'll, you'll see a big, big old picture that you can click on for a quiz. So you can um, take that quiz, it's nine quick questions, and that will kind of tell you where you are in your career and then funnel you to the right things. Um, it's never too early to ask for help. That is for certain. Um, but it also depends on the budget and the type of work that you need. I mean, I've had newbies in the industry come to me and they've, they've got money, but there's nothing for me to really work with on them. So, you know, I, I tell them, well, take a look at my eBooks or the rockstar life planner or some of my video courses, because, you know, you need to, I can't just come in, even if you have the money, if there's nothing really to manage yet, it's just like a manager or a booking agent where I say to people, do what you can on your own first and, and read up on things and educate yourself. And then when it becomes too much for you to manage or you're clearly in the dark about something, then that's where you go to seek help and figure out where that help is. My help comes in when you're just not getting anything done. You're, you're, you cannot manage your time at all. You feel completely overwhelmed with what's on your plate, whether it's with your career or your personal life or both. Um, and if you don't have a budget for it, I have a group program, which is very extremely affordable. And, you know, you get access to me um, along with a, a group of other musicians. And, you know, we can work that way. Like I said, I have video courses and then I do have one-on-one -on -one sessions. I also have pay what you can calls. So for 30 minutes, you pay what you can and you can, I call them pick my brain calls um, so that you can just get some answers to that, that will get you moving in the right direction. So, you know, whether it's me or somebody else, it's never too early to ask for help, but don't throw your whole life's investment into, you know, getting minute by minute, you know, retaining somebody around the clock just because you're scared to try it yourself. Um, really wait to that point where you're just like, no, there's enough movement happening here where somebody else needs to step in. That's fabulous. I appreciate your candor and your insight there. For those of those of you who want to reach out to Susan, talk to her, you can find her at Rockstar Advo, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. And of course, check out therockstaradvocate.com. And if you go to therockstaradvocate.com, 
slash planner, you can uh, check out that fantastic planner she's offering. Quick pro tip, don't type in rockstaradvocate.com as I did in preparation for this interview. It takes you to some weird dog thing. Uh, make sure you get the V in front of there. Uh, uh, Suze, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Before we let you go, do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? Absolutely. Um, like I said, it really just all comes down to mindset. You have to, have to, have to, have to see yourself as a business owner. If you know, even if you hire somebody else to carry out a certain thing for you, make sure you understand at least the basics of what it entails because the buck stops with you and you have to um, step into that role as a business owner if you want to make a, a real career in this industry. Hell yes. Be at the top of your pyramid. The rock star advocate, everybody, Suzanne Polinsky. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you. This was great. We'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business podcast. He is a music manager, promoter, blogger, and the host of the podcast Now Hear This Entertainment, a weekly show featuring interviews of music industry luminaries and tips for musicians and songwriters. You can support it on Patreon. You can check out his entertainment company as well as his podcast by visiting www.now-hear-this.net. Ladies and gentlemen, Bruce Warzniak is on the Break the Business podcast. Hi, Bruce. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, very much my pleasure. You are a true friend of the musician in this industry. You've dedicated your career to helping them as a promoter, as an agent, but you also give them lots of free information through your podcast, Now Hear This Entertainment. Can you walk the listeners through the broad strokes of your career that got you to where you are, where you were, to what you're doing now? Sure. Honestly, the the music portion of it evolved from having had an entire career in, I'll just call it promoting, uh, really public relations, some might say marketing, but really covering kind of all the different areas of what I call communications, which is public relations, media relations, marketing, the web and social media. And when I relocated to the part of Florida where I'm in, I was working for a non-music employer and we needed a singer for an event and just really kind of fell in love with the voice of a girl that I was hearing in church on Sundays to the point where I just approached her just out of the goodness of my heart, wanting to help because I said, if you know, if you sing outside of a church, more people should know because you have a great voice and I want to do what I can to help. And she kind of misinterpreted it, you know, thought that it was a sales pitch and right away got up her defenses. No, my dad helps me. Thank you anyways. And I don't want to say the more I persisted because it was just kind of a friendly once in a while, like, hey, I'm still around. You know, if you, if you want my help, <laughs> this is what my background is. And um, I think really the dad, <laughs> you know, Ryan, I think I think the dad probably coaxed her into saying, yes, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just a realtor. Let this guy help. He's he's got the promotions background. And uh, so we started having some success. And eventually I thought, you know, this is something I can turn into a business 
because it was really just, like I said, applying all of the skills I already had just to a different industry. And when I had success with her, I decided I'm going to make a business of this, found another client, started having success with her, and it really just continued to grow. And here we are all these years later and, uh, you know, continuing with, with Now Hear This. And, and of course, as you mentioned in the intro with, with the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast. Yeah, it's a common story I hear with a lot of folks who are involved in the industry in one way or another that they already achieved success and built their professional bona fides in whatever area they're in outside of the industry. And then they just get bit by the music bug. And there's something about helping creative people you know, reach out to the world and spread their craft with the world that can be very uh, enriching as a professional uh, work. And I guess, you know, that just led quite smoothly over to the podcast, which you have been doing for over three years, John, episode 175. Congratulations. That sounds completely insane. I can't even <laughs> like we're on 90 over here and I just can't imagine. Oh my God. That's <laughs> but well, not 90 is nothing to sneeze at. I was talking to someone yesterday and we were kind of talking about somebody who sort of thinks maybe they might possibly perhaps want to think about, <laughs> you know, doing a podcast. And, and the person I was speaking to said they'll end up doing four episodes uh, because unfortunately, <laughs> you know, some people I think um, podcasting is great and, and the industry has gotten a whole lot bigger than I think people realize, especially those of us on the inside who are podcasters and we know how much is truly involved. But at the same time, for those on the outside, I think they get a little too intimidated and all of a sudden they do give up after four, you know, or they, they put out one and they say, oh, this is great. I'm, I'm going to get better at it. And then it's like we're still waiting for episode two. <laughs> right. And the, I mean, at least with podcasting, you just you just have to get the reps. You have to keep doing it and you have to learn as you go. I mean, and I think that's sort of a good metaphor for a lot of things that happen in the music industry. A lot of artists are afraid of putting anything out there until they think that they have their skills at 100% perfect, until they've mastered everything completely, and they never actually get started. It's just kind of a paralysis by analysis, when really what I've seen, and you know, correct me if uh, you've had a different experience with this, that for many artists, the best way to, to get better and to move your career forward is just to get out there and do it. Even if you think that what you have isn't completely perfect, you learn as you go. Exactly, exactly. And and. The the recording studio where I do my podcast every week, that fellow there has said for years the expression that you used, which is get the reps. And he and he says it from the standpoint of what, what you're talking about, performers. I mean, yes, it applies to podcasters too. But you know, I, I always say that I can find a handful of reasons why just getting out and performing is worth it. And I'm talking about a handful of reasons that don't even I don't even get this far down on the list as getting paid. And one of them is getting the reps. You know, another is that if you're a songwriter and you sit at home and you write all these terrific songs or these songs that you're not sure if they're terrific or not, well, the only way you're ever going to find out if anybody's liking them or not is to get out and play them somewhere. You know, mm -hmm. not to mention things like. By getting out, you get some new pictures, you get some new video. Obviously, there's the age old. You never know who's going to might be who you never know who might be in the crowd. I mean, the list goes on, of, you know, and yes, obviously, it's you know, it's a chance to get paid. But people who do say, I'm not ready yet, or I just need to this or I just need to that, just just get out there and play, would you? Well, I, I'm a firm believer in the fact that you know, the great people they do things before they're ready. I think the best piece of advice I've ever gotten in and out of the music industry, just life advice that I share with as many people as possible is sometimes if you wait until you're 100% ready to take an opportunity, 
you're going to lose that opportunity to somebody who's 80% ready and is willing to learn the rest on the job. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And, and, you know, I go to some, I go to some, I don't want to call them networking events, but just to advance the conversation, we'll use that expression. And there's (laughs) someone who runs these that oftentimes as an icebreaker, he'll say, okay, at your table, introduce yourselves to each other and answer the question, what is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten in business? Uh, Not necessarily in life, but just in business. And the one that I always recycle is I used to work for a guy who literally would travel halfway around the world to sit in a meeting for three hours and then come all the way back. And he would say to us, the reason that I do that is because if you're not there, they're not going to remember who you are. So your company, your business, your brand is going to be forgotten about if you don't show up at these things. And and it's, you know, it's really the old adage out of sight, out of mind. And so same thing, you know, if you're not out there performing, if you're not putting your music out there, you have no you have no basis to sit there and wonder why you're not getting these opportunities. It's because you're not putting yourself out there and everyone has forgotten who you are. Absolutely. And and building on that, I'd love to talk even more about taking advantage of opportunities, uh, specifically in the realm of booking gigs. You know, Tap into that part of your background a little bit. If an artist approached you and said that they were having trouble finding good gigs for themselves to perform at, like, oh, my music is great, I just can't find you know places to perform... In your experience, what are usually the most likely reasons that they're having trouble and what can those artists usually do to improve their prospects? Well, for openers, uh, you know, I would tell them, welcome to the world of music. You know, everybody's <laughs> having everybody's having trouble getting gigs. So so I think in some cases, you know, even though it sounds a little tongue in cheek, it is also, hey, cut yourself a little bit of a break. You know, d- don't be so hard on yourself because it really is difficult to book. Um, so that being said, you know, I would ask the person, take a step back and look and see what is your approach. For instance, are you only sending emails? Because if you are, maybe you should pick up the phone and, and call these places. Maybe you should walk in and visit the places, assuming that you're trying to get booked at local places. Another thing is look at the types of places that you're trying to get booked at. Because if you play rock and roll and you're trying to get booked in a jazz club, I think I have a good re- I think I have a good idea why they're not booking you. You know, so it's also being realistic and and some of it Ryan is is you know a, a good old dosage of humble pie. You know, if if you're just eager to get out there, well, you know, maybe you have to take a booking at a venue that's a little bit quote unquote below you um just to say, you know what, if it's a difference between sitting at home and watching reruns of Law and Order versus at least I'm out playing somewhere because again, Get back to that list that I just ticked off a few minutes ago of the different benefits of getting yourself out there. So, no, you probably don't want to be playing at insert venue here on this particular night. You never know who you might meet. And really, you know, there's some things that you can do in in the world of booking that maybe you're maybe you're trying to play at the same places all the time and you haven't really broadened your scope to see what else is out there. And, And by that, I also mean maybe look out a little bit further. If you're looking in the same 20 mile radius, maybe it's time to start going 30 miles out or 40 miles out and try to build that following up. If you can make a good case to these venues that look, I've got a following, look at my social media numbers and make sure those social media numbers are legit and that you didn't purchase them. Well, maybe you can start building your following a little further than just outside that 20 mile radius that you've gotten a little too comfortable in. And the other thing too is, is, you know, are the people calling you back and, and, and emailing you back or, or talking to you in person? And are you getting a lot of no's in that case? You know, find out why you're getting a no. Just just be polite and ask them. 
um, you know, and, and they'll tell you that they don't have the budget that you're looking for, uh, or that it's not their, their type of music or, or, you know, your type of crowd. They'll tell you a lot of things that will help you react accordingly so that your booking habits can change. And then you can start getting, I don't want to overstate it and say more yeses, but, uh, certainly you'll start to figure out what you need to change in the way that you're approaching this, that hopefully you can have more success. All right. Uh, Fantastic advice. Uh, and when the artist gets that gig and they're out there performing, you've uh, talked a lot about the value of being engaging in your live show and you know creating something memorable. And so, given the importance of that, what artists? Well, I'm sorry. What mistakes do you see artists making most often when they're performing in gigs in terms of promoting themselves effectively during the show and being engaging so that they get invited back? Oh boy, your podcast is not long enough for me to get into this. And, and, and you know, I really don't like to be a, a negative Nancy, but sometimes I feel as though giving people tips, sometimes I feel that the way that I'm most effective doing that is I tell people, here are things that people are doing wrong, which implies do the opposite and that's the right thing to do. So, you know, if you go up on stage and you just sit on a stool and sing your songs and play your guitar, you know, how how inviting is that to the audience? There's not going to be a lot of energy in your performance because you're sitting. And some people will say, well, it's a three hour gig, man. You got to let me sit. Really? I mean, look at Bruce Springsteen, who's been out there for years at at a much advanced, much more advanced age than some of these people who are complaining about. And he's putting on a four hour show, standing up, walking around. Um, and granted, you know, he's getting paid a lot of money and it's arena show and it's a different thing, but no, it's not a different thing because you have to be up there. And there's, there's a guy in Nashville who is just a master at doing this. He will literally start one table at a time. Now, mind you, he goes in early, he meets some of the people in advance and he will start from the stage talking to that person at the table in the back and saying, isn't that right, Fred? I know that, that, that we're talking about you in this song. Ha ha ha. Now Fred gets the table next to him involved. And this guy from the stage just builds the audience one table at a time. And so then while you have their attention, you don't want to beat them over the head and promote, 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 promote. However, if you just take your break and expect people to walk up to you and then you say, okay, then I'll tell them about my new CD or then I'll tell them about my Kickstarter campaign. Well, now you're going on a wing and a prayer. So you've got to find that balance and just let people know. By the way, if you like my music, I've got flyers over here. You know, tell people, and, and this sounds old-fashioned, but tell people I've got a newsletter sign-up over here. That way you capture people's email addresses. Yes, there's other creative, more advanced ways to do it in this day and age of apps and technology and smartphones. But the fact of the matter is you do have a quote-unquote captive audience there. Don't be up on stage drinking a beer, smoking a cigarette, whatever. You know, it's, all these things are just going to turn people off. You have to give them every reason to want to turn their attention away from the person they're sitting next to, away from their drink, away from their phone, and, <laughs> and put their attention on the stage. Well, I, I want to stay in this area because I, I do agree with you. You could probably you know fill a lot of time talking about this. So I, I'm going to give you kind of a similar question and uh, show some love to your blog. Uh, you wrote an article on the, on the blog on your Now Hear This website, and you talked about how the final game of the Stanley Cup Finals this past year actually provides a valuable lesson for musicians when they're closing up a show. Uh, what lesson would that be? So when I was watching the Pittsburgh Penguins win the Cup in Nashville, I was really turned off because we had heard throughout the Stanley Cup Finals how terrific Music City had become 
as far as supporting their hockey team. And they would show people outside watching the game. And of course, the rabid fans inside the arena, even when the game was being played in Pittsburgh. And here they are, the final game, what would be the final game. Pittsburgh wins. The fans in Nashville are throwing debris on the ice. They're they're what looked to me like staying after the game has ended just so they could boo Pittsburgh. I even saw something come over the glass directed towards a Pittsburgh player who used to play for Nashville. And I thought, see, now my takeaway from that is that the Nashville fans are sore losers. So I'm looking at that and all the goodwill that was done throughout the entire playoff season for Nashville has been undone by that final game. So my final opinion of them is, wow, they're not very good fans. And so if someone's out watching you perform for three hours and then those in those last 10 or 15 minutes, now it's maybe 12 midnight. So some of the people in the crowd have had something to drink. Maybe somebody yells out an insult or someone, you know, yells out play Freebird for, you know, the ninth <laughs> time that night and you finally lose it and tell them, why don't you get up here and play Freebird? I'm up here busting my ass for the last three hours. And, you know, all of a sudden, this performance has been totally undone. All the good that you've done over those couple of hours, people are going to remember the next day, and they're going to be telling somebody, boy, I went to such and such a location last night. This person was performing. Wow, you should have seen what happened at the end. So never do they talk about what a great voice or what great songs or what a great set list all of a sudden, it's just those final moments that they remember. So I say, you know, the old save your best for last. I mean, if you've got a song that, you know, brings the house down, close with that song. If you've got a, and, and that could be something very, very emotional. You know, I I'd said in that blog, and I've said this before, you never know who might be in the crowd, just in terms of attendees, never mind somebody who's going to do something for you. But there might be somebody in the crowd who's going through something very emotional in their life, good or bad, and just the right song might be what they really need to hear. And as much as you might get bored playing that same song, show after show after show, you can't just go through the motions, because that might be the one that is going to bring a tear to their eye and yeah, maybe have them approach the stage afterwards. And even if it's just a hug or the hard, the most heartfelt thank you you've gotten in a while, it's really going to be worth it. And it's going to reinvigorate you the next time you play that song. So you can't just put it on autopilot. And like I said, especially at the end of your show, just decide, oh, I'm done. This person's been on me all night. I'm going to give it to them and then I'm going to play my last song and I'm out of here. And, and you're really demonstrative in a bad way. Um, that's, you know, that, that, that I was like I said, I was so moved um, by that Nashville situation that, that that's exactly what it made me think of music wise. And you're saying the musicians probably shouldn't throw any catfish on the floor either. Uh, maybe an octopus once in a blue moon, ah, but <laughs> well, <laughs> those, are, know, those are the musicians in Detroit. <laughs> well, we're, we're, well, we're, we're, we're down in uh, Miami, Florida here at the podcast. So we're completely okay with you throwing rats. Uh, that's all. <laughs> okay. Um, you have an ebook series out now, uh, the Bruce's bonus book that provides practical tips for aspiring entertainers. Can you tell the folks a bit about that and where they can find it? Yeah. So if you go to Bruce's bonus it's a three volume series and volume one is just my own tips, but in volumes two and three, I decided to also incorporate, uh, as best as I could, a tip from a guest from an episode of my podcast. In some cases, um, you know, the, the, the two may have something to do with each other, but it's probably just a coincidence. But, you know, I, I, I know that musicians are constantly investing in equipment in their career, which is great. 
but I also think it's important to invest in knowledge and invest in tools, resources, because obviously you're not going to go sit in some continuing education class. Uh, and so to me, this is a good way for musicians to pick up. There's 40 in, in each volume. So through the throughout the series, you've got 120 tips there. And this is very easy reading. These are ebooks, so you just download it to your device and have them at your fingertips all the time to refer back to. And you know, Ryan, I don't, I'm not afraid to stand up in front of a room and say, some of this stuff may seem like common sense, but do a self audit. If I'm saying something that you say, no kidding, well, look in the mirror and say, then why am I not doing it? So <laughs> I have put a lot of work into these tips to make them, you know, not really super obvious things, but some of them that are, I think are just quite frankly, cases of where people need a reminder of these things that, you know, the, the story I always like to tell is the guy who contacted me and wanted to see if I could work with them. And I looked, they had a website and a Facebook and on neither the website nor the Facebook, did they have any audio or any video? Oh my God. And I thought, At all? I thought you know, I asked him, how in the world do you expect any place to book you if they can't see what your band looks like when you perform or hear what you sound like? And he said, well, you just tell them that we're a bunch of guys that are in our 50s. We've been doing this for 20 years, so we're good. And I thought, no, it doesn't work that way. Well, that can be the so, press kit, know, just that on a, like an eight and a half by 11 piece of white paper. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> so, us. you know, like I say, the common sense stuff sometimes gets overlooked, you know, of, of something as simple and, and, and fundamental as having audio and video on your website and your Facebook, not to mention the fact that all they had was a website and a Facebook, you know, where's your YouTube channel? Where's your Twitter? Where's your Instagram? Where's your reverb nation? Right. Um, and you can catch that at Bruce's bonus book.com. Uh, lots of great information from Bruce Warzniak on, uh, uh, many platforms, uh, nhte.net, uh, now dash here dash this, uh, dot net. Uh, you can also follow him on Instagram.com slash now hear this entertainment, Facebook.com slash now hear this Inc. Twitter.com. He's at underscore NHT underscore or sorry at NHT underscore tweets. And he's got a YouTube page because, of course, video is important. Uh, YouTube.com slash watch NHT. Um, before we let you go, Bruce, this has been a pleasure having you. Uh, we want more of your informativeness uh, on subsequent episodes. So please don't be a stranger. But do you have any last tips to share with the artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? Well, let me just uh, first, Ryan, thank you for having me on. And, and I also want to make this real easy on your listeners. Um, never mind the dashes. If you go to nowhearthis.biz, that will take you to the same place as the URL that Ryan is talking about that has hyphens in it. Fantastic. So just go to nowhearthis.biz, <laughs> and that's spelled H-E-A-R. And then uh, there's the podcast page there. There's the Bruce's Bonus Book series. Uh, and so then as far as tips... Outside of what I've given here, outside of what's in the bonus book series, I do write a blog on the nowhearthis.biz website every Monday, and that's just, it's all about tips, uh, because, you know, there's things that constantly go on everywhere, and, and really, you know, just, just get out and see other people perform. Look at what your contemporaries, your colleagues are doing. Don't consider them your competition, because they, unfortunately, there's become such a spirit of competition instead of collaboration, those two words that start with C-O. And you can really learn a lot from one another. Look at these other people 
with an inquisitive eye, not with a critical eye. Don't look at them for criticisms. And again, when you hear me giving out tips of things not to do, I'm not criticizing people. I'm trying to give out tips in a way that is learn from these things, do the opposite of these observations that I'm seeing so that you can be, because to me, Ryan, the, the, the one tip I'll leave your listeners with is that it's all about image and you really do only have one chance to make a good first impression on someone. So really make sure all of your stuff is polished, professional, first class, and, and that you give everyone a great image of yourself so that they will want to do more business with you, whether it's buy more music from you, book you for more shows, put you into some sort of a, a good opportunity for your performance career. Just really look at, at, at your image, everything down to what do your business cards look like? Do you have a, a branded URL instead of an at Gmail or an at Yahoo or an at et cetera, et cetera. Uh, just really focus on your image so that you always strive to do everything first class. You're the best, Bruce. Thank you so much for your time.